Hello, everybody. Welcome back. We're here for another episode of The Passion Project, the podcast where it doesn't matter if anybody else cares, as long as you do. I am still, as always, your host, Scott Strange, and I'm finally back on time this week. I'm not skipping out of the week, as I managed to do a couple of weeks ago, but fingers crossed I will keep back on the track and not fail you once again and go missing any other weeks. The chances of that not being a lie are pretty low, but we'll see how we go. But for this week, I have joining with me Arden Falls. Hey, Arden, how's it going? Hey, I'm excellent. How are you? Fantastic. Thank you very much for joining me. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. And like obviously, back at my brief detour back to talking from someone in Australia last week, you are back on the American side of things. Where exactly are you from? Yeah, so I uh, I actually grew up in Illinois, uh, right dead center uh, in the middle of nowhere. Um, and I currently live in Northern Virginia up by DC. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, as, as fun as your location is, what are we really here to talk about this week? Writing books and all anything possibly associated with that. Right. Right. Very good. Well, that's, that's vaguely something, I mean, I wouldn't say I know that much about, but I did do a creative writing degree, so I have some kind yeah. of leeway into there there you okay, go yeah. so well so what let's just start basic why why like i guess writing in general specifically books what is it about that that is the makes it something you like so much that you're here to talk to me about it sure yeah so i have always been an avid reader um i i lapsed a little bit in college because you're reading so many other things uh that you don't want to um yeah, yeah. but i mean I I read all of Harry Potter in a week. Like I grew up as as in love with books as possible, I think. Um and so for me it really spurred my creativity and uh I only recently like in the last couple of years um thought that I could sort of get on the other side of things and not just be a consumer but also, you know, dip my toe into the creative process as well. And it's been something that has been very helpful for me and also just been a ton of fun as well. Hmm. So are you saying like you read pretty much since you were a kid that you just grew up entirely being a bit of a bookworm? Oh, yeah. So uh, me and my three siblings were homeschooled uh, K through 12. So we read a ton. I mean, my my mom uh, uh, has a couple of English degrees, uh, so she really drilled into us from a very early age the importance of stories and storytelling um we would have like uh reading hours like baked into our uh school day and then we would also have like a read aloud times during lunch which was pretty awesome so yeah, yeah. like we we all um you know at least loved certain types of stories i think i was probably the most most in love with books but you know mm-hmm. Are your siblings still like as big a readers as you, or as you, or you are the big reader still of the family? Yeah, I'm the primary nerd, I think, <laughs> out of the family. So you know, there always has to be a nerd leader in the family. It's an important role to take. Exactly, exactly. That's yep. Okay, because you said you were homeschooled. Um, because and you said because of that you had those reading hours burnt into the day. Kind of there was almost like there was almost more of an increased focus on reading than necessarily you would have got if you went into like a public or private school system. Like, do you think 
that was a, adding like a very large factor in why you like reading so much. It's like you're, you're, you're being homeschooled and your mom's sort of English background and sort of putting a heavy focus on reading. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think also, you know, when you're homeschooled, I, I think that there's a, a big drive to find other ways to learn outside of just like staying in the house all the time. Um, yeah. So like we were very f- uh, frequent visitors to our local library. And I actually ended up uh, volunteering there for a couple of years uh, and then getting a job there. That was my first job, uh, a page cool. at the library. So nice. I, you know, I think that was one thing where we could literally go to the library. And I think in one of our libraries, um, I checked out every single book in like the middle grade section that uh, had anything to do with dragons. Like I just typed dragons <laughs> into the search uh, database and just checked out every single book and read them all. Do you remember what the range in quality of dragon books was like? Yeah, I would say far reaching, uh, <laughs> you know, a sort of wild assortment. But I mean, I, I, I don't know really why I landed on that particular sort of sub sub genre, but it, it, you know, it was more just like I could just read whatever. I, I always was hitting like the limit um, to check out books for sure. Yeah, yeah. And did you and did you get all those books back on time, or did you also rack up a significant amount of overdue fees? <laughs> that's a that's a a solid question. Yeah, uh, I definitely had some instances where I needed to uh, ask the librarians if they would be so kind as to you know waive it this one time. So, you know, so, so the Illinois library system isn't still kind of track, trying to track you down across the country because you've got a several dragon books still. That's why I moved to Virginia for sure. Yeah. I'm on the run. I gotta go. Yeah. Those, those library librarians can be vicious. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and do you think had you been public schooled, you would have your like passion for reading would be the same that it currently is? Um, I mean, I think that that's hard to say. I think that, yeah. Um, I probably would have read different things, like different books. Um, I read a lot of like historical uh, fiction for for school, um, and then my mom also allowed me to customize my, uh, I think, I think junior and senior, maybe just a senior year of uh, assigned reading, so that I could read mostly like uh, like classic science fiction. So mm. I read Aldous Huxley's uh, Brave New World. And Fahrenheit 451 and Ray Bradbury and, you know, uh, some of the greats in science fiction. So I think that at the very least, um, I probably would have had a different sort of digestion of books. Um, yeah. Which, you know, I'm not saying that would be a bad thing. I, I'm trying to sort of broaden my horizons with my, my reading choices now. But, you know, it would just would be different. Yeah, I guess. But also at the same time, being able to customize sort of your reading intake in that way probably helped keep your enthusiasm for it up because you were choosing it all and it was always stuff that you were interested in rather than something that was being foisted upon you because I know I definitely had uh, several books that I had to read in school that were just painful, arduous reads. (laughs) For sure, yeah. I think we all have those. Yeah. What was your kind of big reading passions back then? What were your genres? Were you, was it mainly like, because you obviously you've mentioned dragons and classic science fiction, so was it more fantasy and science fiction, or was it 
a wide range of everything. Yeah, mostly fantasy and science fiction. I I loved um man, I've loved pretty much anything with like anthropomorphic animals uh was right up my alley, especially like when I was a little younger. Like I read um uh Brian Jakes's uh Redwall series. I think I've read every single one except for like maybe the last one. Um and I like those were some of my most like cherished reading memories because like I read those relatively young and I know this is going to sound cheesy but there's like a real uh particular passage and I think one of the first few books it's like a 25 book series uh to provide context Mm -hmm. um where one of the like characters uh like it's all set in this medieval uh sort of fantastical setting and one of the characters dies and that was the first time i'd ever remembered like having an emotional reaction to a story i literally like went to my mom and cried because this badger had died (laughs) i mean uh, yeah it's it's equal parts horribly traumatizing but also good (laughs) because like i guess that is the primary goal of you know fiction or and writing to induce that kind of emotional connection with the characters Right, yeah, exactly. I it, I definitely was not expecting it. So I read a ton of that kind of stuff, like fantasy stuff, and um, and not a ton of science fiction until I got a little bit older. Um, I'm I really like um, what is it, the Aragon cycle? Yeah. I think it's called Inheritance Cycle with the Aragon books. Um, yeah, as pretty much as as much like fantasy and stuff as I could get my hands on. Just. You know, a lot of the classic fantasy young adult kind of fictional ones. Oh, yeah. I, I read uh, Lloyd Alexander's uh, Chronicles of Prydain. I don't know if mm. you've heard of that, but it's... it's um, They're like these tiny little books, but they're, they're like... They're classics, um, you know, and you've got your Chronicles of Narnia and Lord of the Rings and all that stuff, too. So did you, did you go through... How young were you when you went through Lord of the Rings? Um, I think I was actually like, shoot, I think I was in high school, probably like later high school. Right. I don't think I got it. Yeah. I don't think I got my hands on that for a while. I was imagining like a a little eight year old version of you (laughs) trying to make its way through that and being very confused. Yeah, for sure. Why is this? I'm sure I tried. Why are there so many appendices? So did you branch out with at any point? What point did you sort of brand? Did you brand? Okay, let's try not stumble over myself. Was there any particular point where you decided to branch out of those the, the standard realm of fantasy and stuff that you were going, where you made like a conscious effort to broaden your horizons? Yeah, I I think that's actually a pretty recent development for me. Um, I I only probably in the last couple of years have really gotten back into reading and like there's things that I remember very specifically that I loved reading. Um, a lot of like the read aloud books that we had were um, historical fiction and I just loved some of those like those particular stories. Um, but I think I really started into science fiction when I read Fahrenheit 451, which I just remember being the most like poetic experience i just the way that he uses words um in such an eloquent fashion uh, but like to communicate very real emotions i love that and then like more recently i've um definitely been trying to 
just include more like um, like mysteries and thrillers and like literary fiction and just some stuff that's not maybe my normal stories and I'm also like I'm also definitely trying to broaden my horizons as far as the like the diversity of my bookshelves because if you read a ton of classic science fiction what you're probably reading is a bunch of old white guys yeah that's definitely and some of them a bunch of old old white guys with real problematic viewpoints if you look into it yeah oh yeah oh yeah Um, (laughs) so yeah i think i've been um recently trying to read more um you know women of color people of color uh just more stories from a female perspective um i just i just started a series um by ann leckie i think is how, how you pronounce her name it's called uh, uh, Ancillary Sword and Justice and Mercy. There's like a whole series um, mm. that's like hard science fiction, um, but it's it's just excellent stuff. Yeah, so what is that? Yeah, so what did you say that was again? What genre? Science fiction? Or? Uh, yeah, that's like, it's hard science fiction, but it's cool because it takes a lot of these like really big concepts and then they she boils them down into um like a much more personal like conflict between the characters and then between like an internal uh conflict as well um you know so i think that's stuff i'm trying to get into is you know enjoy the things that i know i enjoy you know like reading terry pratchett or whatever but like you know also um read stuff that's not from my perspective I read yeah. uh, a real, like, high-profile um, young adult novel from last year called The Hate You Give, mm. and it is a startlingly good work of fiction. It's um, mm. it's all written from this young black woman's or black girl's perspective, and it's all about her family and her dealing with this uh, trauma, uh, uh, a police shooting. So it feels very, it feels very like in the moment, but it also, it also doesn't feel like the author is taking like advantage of those kinds of yeah. stories, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's, so it's not like just jumping on the, you know, stoking while the, the outrage fire is hot about that kind of thing just to get the attention. It's more like, no, I actually have things to say about this. Yeah. I, I think it's telling in that book that the, um, and spoiler alert, so I should have definitely said that before I, <laughs> but it happens, the, the shooting happens in like the first chapter or something like that. So yeah. really what she's in, what she's interested in is the, you know, how these characters are handling trauma and their own responsibilities in light of that trauma differently. Mm. And it's, it's, I could, I cannot recommend it highly enough. And I think that's a story that I probably wouldn't have read as you know as a young adult um yeah so i'm grateful for the chance to like branch out a little bit yeah and what did you say that one was called again that's called the hate you give um not sure of the author right off the top of my head oh well i'm sure people can google that and find it easily enough if they want to okay so in in the sense of finding like this finding books you wouldn't otherwise read 
how how do you go about that? Because I know my one of my big struggles with reading books. I don't I don't read anywhere near as much as I should or want to. But I always struggle with finding stuff to read in the sense that there's so much stuff out there mm-hmm. that I don't even know where to start. So when it comes to branching out to things you maybe wouldn't normally read, how, what are your methods of finding what to read? Do you just play Russian roulette at the library or? <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a great question. So I get a lot of my books. Um, I actually don't go to the library that often anymore. Um, we've moved a couple of times in the last year, so we don't really have like a home base library yet. Um, but we we did have a library near us that had like a library sale, like a sale section. Um, and so I, I get a lot of my books from like uh, used bookstores and, uh, you know, like thrift stores and you know, Goodwill, library sales, whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. And I find those to actually be a really good way to find new kinds of stories um, because often they are sort of a random collection. They're not like remotely themed at all. And, you know, you're going to have your, uh, you know, every Goodwill has at least one copy of Twilight. But, (laughs) but, uh, you know, I think you can find a lot of interesting stuff. Like I've, so what I do often is I'll go and I'll look to see kind of, you know, what's there, what descriptions are catching my eye. And I, I do judge a book by its cover. You know, that's what, we, I mean, it's, that's what it's there for. Especially in those kind of goodwill situations. Cause yeah, there's a similar every, every year here, a couple of times a year, they have a thing called the lifeline book fest and lifeline is like a goodwill chain here. But they oh, take cool. over basically a big convention center in the middle of the city, which is basically the size of a football field kind of thing. Wow. And it's just full of like old books and it's just tables upon tables of books. And, you know, there's, you know, a hundred copies of Twilight and a hundred copies of the Da Vinci Code. So yeah, that's, <laughs> Always. that's yep. the times I've been, I, I just walk through until I spot a cover that jumps out of me. And then if the cover jumps out of me, then I'll read what's on the back and see if it sounds good, then I'll get it. Otherwise, if it doesn't sound good, you put it back because... It's kind of the only way to wade through that larger quantity of books. Yeah, for sure. And I think you have to have a sort of uh, a certain disposition to have the patience. I love shopping for books. Um, Mm. So that's kind of, it's more of a, I would say a curse. Uh, My wife would definitely agree with that, I think, with the number (laughs) of books that I brought home. Um, (laughs) But, and then I also have the, the first line test. So for me, like, I've heard some people recommend a a page. I normally read like the first paragraph um, or the first line. And like if, especially if I'm on the fence, if a first line catches me, I'm, I'm sold. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that is, is exactly what a first line is supposed to do. So there you go. Even if just like a first paragraph really gives a good idea of the voice of the book as well. A lot of the time, like Mm -hmm. I know, yeah, a couple of times I've just, open books that I had no real idea about and the first the, just the the first paragraph gave away a writing style that I was like I am into this I need to know more exactly yeah um, do you have any particularly noteworthy incredibly unexpected finds from that kind of situation like something you really mm. thought you would not enjoy that took you by surprise hmm I did find at Goodwill, I think they were having a sale, um, and I'm going to butcher the name of this, um, but it's it was like an advanced reader's copy, 
um, all beat, all beat to hell. Um, I think it's called the, uh, the incredible journey of the fakir that got trapped in a Ikea wardrobe or something similar, (laughs) which sounds, it's about as ridiculous as it sounds. Um, and that one was really interesting because it was, I think written a few years ago, but it was all about, um, this fakir, which is like a, uh, a Middle Eastern sort of mystic, um, you know, like that kind of a snake charmer um, yeah. vibe. And he journeys to Ikea in, I think, France or, you know, one of these Euro- European countries um, to buy a bed of nails from Ikea, from Ikea, excuse me. Um, yeah. And like the rest of the journey, like he, he goes to like four or five other countries in the span of this like 250 page book. Um, and it, it was just completely not at all what I was expecting. And it was also an arc. So, you know, it was just a plain blue and, and black cover. It wasn't, it didn't yeah. look uh, particularly inviting. So that was, that was definitely an interesting one. Yeah. But also something with a title like that, it manages to immediately jump out at you anyway. Exactly. Because, yeah, I, I get that feeling because, yeah, I I tend to like like books that have a certain, while not being entirely humor-focused, have like a bit of a comedic tinge to it somewhere. And normally if something has a remotely absurdist title, there's a good chance of it going down that road. So For sure. Yeah. And yeah, because sometimes, again, much like covers, titles are another good way of piquing your interest and making you actually pick up a book to see what it's about. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if you if you go to all the trouble of writing a book, you better pick a darn good title, I feel like. Yeah, exactly. Especially with so many books out there, you kind of need yours to like stand out, stand out in some way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like especially in the cuz in the fantasy realm as well, I think a, a lot of mm. those books have very similar sounding titles that it gets hard to dis- differentiate between them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's so many like legends, and um, you know, there's so many that sound exactly the same. Yeah. So, was there ever a time when you were, you know, much like we go through our teen years being kind of music snobs and being like, I like this thing, and everything <laughs> else is sucks? Did you go through the same period with books where you were like, no, this is the best kind of books, and any other books are stupid? <laughs> oh man. Um. Hmm, that's a good question. Well, I definitely, I mean, I definitely did go through the phase where, like, um, I was very particular with my book choices. So I think other than my parents not wanting me to read Harry Potter, I think that's one reason I didn't get into Harry Potter um, for a (laughs) while because I kind of, I don't know, I I sort of have this hipster hipster, uh, tendency to not get on the... Uh, bandwagon that everybody else is on uh, until right. it's a little too late <laughs> yeah so i i think i definitely had sort of an aversion to um those big popular books um but then i i eventually caved <laughs> you eventually caved you're like all right so that's why everyone was talking about it yeah exactly oh wait these are so super good oh man so how like how late were you to the harry potter bandwagon well, they definitely had all been published. I think I I finished the series 
right when the last movie was coming out. Right. Which right. so I did get to see that one in theaters, which was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. I think like one of the few movies I've actually seen in 3D. Um, right. But yeah, right. so I you know I was like probably 17 or something like that. Yeah, because I, I I was definitely a, a a bit late to that thing to the whole Harry Potter thing. Not quite as late as you. I think I was more around maybe the f- fifth movie or something. I don't know. Okay, I, yeah, I remember. Okay. I I, thought, I I definitely had started reading them before the last book came out though. But yeah, okay. I, I yeah I hadn't even really heard of them until one day as part of a university course I was in, which was studying kind of like different kinds of fantasy fiction and like stuff like that. And we had to look at one of the Harry Potter books and I'd never even known what Harry Potter was. I was like, what is this Harry <laughs> Potter thing? And then after some brief internet searching, I'm like, oh wait, it's a worldwide phenomenon. How did I not, <laughs> how did I miss this? Yeah. Like the best, I, I feel you the best selling, like series of books ever or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Something ridiculous. Uh, so yeah, um, so being homeschooled, I guess, like, did you have any kind of outside of school way of like socializing with other kids about books and that kind of thing? Did you did you find friends with similar interests so you could talk about your books with them? <laughs> um, so we did. We were involved in a pretty good amount of co-ops. So those are just essentially like a bunch of homeschoolers getting together and. Um, doing the best they can to have like organized school, um, yeah. which I think worked with sort of varying degrees. But yeah, I mean, I definitely had some friends, like some of my best friends um, had not only read all of the Redwall series, um, but they also owned all of them, which was pretty cool at, mm. in my eyes. And then they also had like a map of like you know, the, the, I guess country or whatever, um, like the red wall lands and stuff. And, um, I mean, they had like a whole, I mean, that's the thing with homeschoolers is you're also allowed to be just the nerdiest you can possibly (laughs) be. You're encouraged. Nerd, being a nerd is highly encouraged, at least in my experience. Definitely comes with the territory because yeah, there's the benefit is it reduces that peer pressure side of things that may t- try to beat that out of you as a kid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yes. Well, yeah, that's good. Um, so, and when, I guess, you kind of went going through reading, you say, and you said you dropped off kind of during the college days? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I was studying to uh, get a degree in animation um, and just between trying to finish my projects and doing reading for other uh, like gen ed classes it just um i i don't i'm not sure i read one book at all that that entire four years yeah yeah i yeah i especially because especially when you spend a time if you're doing your whatever your college readings are that kind of thing the kind of last thing you want to do even if it is for leisure the last thing you want to do is yeah look at words anymore yeah exactly because because I for get sure. the same thing from, like, I work at a job where a lot of my job is spent staring at words and reading through words for, like, a large quantity of the day. So when I get home, I'm not always in the mood to just sit down with the book and keep reading words. Makes sense. Yep. It's like, please, please give me a TV show. Please, like, <laughs> just convert the words into pictures and put them directly into my brain. So at what point... 
At what point did you just decide that you wanted to try your hand at the the writing side of things, or what made you make that decision? So actually in college, I took a, a couple of screenwriting courses and I wrote a script then and I had a pretty good time. Like, I, you know, I think it, it was relatively enjoyable. Um, and I think like a, a script, um, at least in that setting, allowed allows you to not have to worry too much about character development. Um, yeah. You know, because it's a small project and it's something where you're basically just giving a few scenes. Um, yeah. So I, I enjoyed that process, but I didn't start writing until, um, gosh, maybe a couple years ago. Um, I actually, I've kind of gone through a few projects trying to find something that worked for me. Um, mm. But I think, I think I just wanted something that was, like you were saying, like something that's different uh, from, from my job. Uh, yeah. And I, I work as a web and graphic designer, um, so. Yeah. You know, having something that's like real creative and exercises a different part of my brain, like that, to me felt uh, it was definitely something that was necessary for me. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just kind of, because I guess you know, you're utilizing a different part of your brain that I guess you're not is not getting flexed as much in your job. Yeah, exactly. And I think also I, I had always in school like I never. I never really became that good of an animator, to be honest. Um, yeah. <laughs> I ended up I ended up directing uh, animation more than anything, and so that you know you're kind of doing some writing as well. I think I I really enjoyed the idea of telling a story, and um, so I started to uh, write a novel, sort of based on and expanding on uh, that script I had written, and I actually got I got about. Th- 37,000 words in, which is like about halfway and just sort of came to a crashing halt. Like I just could not, um, put words on the page whatsoever. Yeah. So that's when I sort of took a break. And when I came back to it, I was, I was like, I do not want to start this whole thing over again. Um, you know, I think I just had some, some character development issues and, you know, it it just really wasn't clicking for me. It didn't feel, it didn't feel like something that needed to be told is something more like something I just wanted. It it felt sort of self-indulgent. Which, you know, is not entirely a bad thing. It depends what, like it's sometimes it is good to just self-indulge for a while while to get that out and enjoy doing that. But yeah, again, if you're dedicating yourself to a full-on lengthy project after a while, you're like, okay, I've indulged myself enough. Why am I doing this? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, um, were you like when you were younger? Did you ever like were you ever even like a journal writer or anything like that, or any real outside of you know things you had to do for schooling and that kind of stuff? Did you ever touch on writing then, or was it really something you didn't get into until fairly recently? Yeah, not really. I mean. I mean, I did, like I said, I did some stuff in college, but um, I, I did some creative writing uh, in, in school, like when I was uh, in high school and stuff. Um, had a pretty good time with that, but I, I think I thought of it as like just sort of a, you know, not even really a hobby, just like, you know, something fun to do. Um, yeah, yeah. So like now, of course, it's still a hobby. Um, it's not like I'm going to quit my day job or anything, but... I think, um, you know, if you, 
apply, I think like a lot of people think of writing as sort of this loosey goosey thing where you can just like, um, you know, expect words to come out of you. And for me, Mm. like I have to put a lot of structure around it to make sure that I'm being diligent. Um, and I think that's what has kind of, uh, helped me sort of kick that part into, you know, into gear. Yeah, because like a lot of people say, if you read a lot or talk to anyone who like, even if they just casually write, you know, hobby wise, or they want to have consistent output, they're always like, yeah, you actually have to make sure you know you output a certain amount of time, like per you know day or per week, and like you have to stick to that. You have to be like, okay, I'm gonna sit down and just write a bunch of words because it's the only way to make this happen. Because you can't just sit there at the page and wait for inspiration to hit or keep expecting that to happen. You need to force it, basically. Yeah, and I think that it's more important to write than it is to write well. Um, yeah. I know a lot of my stuff. So I, I, I sort of worked my way down from writing a novel to writing short stories to writing flash fiction and then like poems. So mm. for me, a lot of my stuff is much, much more brief now. Um, and t- to to me, writing a poem or even writing part of a poem, you know, is just as important as writing, you know, a thousand words of a story. Like, it's much more important to write something than it is to, like, focus on perfecting it. Because you, yeah. you can always edit it, right? Like, as long as you put it yeah. down, that's the important part. And it's, I mean, it's pretty much like any other skill. Like, you can only get good at it if you practice doing it. You know, you don't... You don't suddenly know how to drive a car well. You don't suddenly know how to, you know, be good at a sport. It's like the only way people get really good at anything is by doing it over and over again. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So what do you remember? What was your first when you're like, okay, I'm going to actually try to write a thing. What was, what was the first thing you tried to write? Do you remember? Oh man. Um, I'm not sure I remember the first, but I remember the first thing that I completed that I actually was like semi-happy with um, was in probably high school or maybe like, you know, eighth grade or something like that. I uh, I wrote a like a sort of dramatization. There's a, a scene in the Bible where uh, Ezekiel like raises uh, some he has like a vision or something like that. And he raises a bunch of like dry bones. Um, and they like, uh, turn into people like bones, like assemble. And then, um, muscle starts appearing and stuff like that. And, um, that probably sounds real trippy. It is relatively yeah. trippy. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think there's a way where that sounds normal. It's like uh, okay, I just. It's like the it's like the reverse version of the Robbie Williams film clip for fucking um, rock DJ. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I I took that and I think it's like a couple of verses or whatever, and I took that and sort of expanded it and. Um, I think that's when I first started to really like get into describing things and like making sure that images came across clearly and stuff like that. I had a lot of fun with that. Mm. Yeah, because I think a lot of the interesting part about doing it is finding finding your own way of describing something that kind of has been described a lot of times before. Yeah, for sure. 
because that's something yeah, I struggle I, I, with. Yeah, because I know I I definitely don't remotely write as much as I should really or once maybe did, but. Uh, yeah, my, my, one of my goals was always to try, if I described something, I would always try to just do it in like a, a sort of weirdly different way. Like I'd always go out of my way to try and make my description of something slightly more unique than you've seen a lot of times before. Yeah, and that's tough because like, I mean, think of all the, I mean, we have we have phrases that are sort of burned into us that we recognize, um, you know, like... Uh, gosh, like sweaty foreheads means that you're nervous or something like that. Yeah. Um, and it's tough to describe it as something that is unique, uh, but that doesn't feel like you're forcing it, right? Like it doesn't yeah, feel yeah. corny. Yeah, exactly. That's you gotta a find a way balance. balance between yeah, like yeah, because sometimes it just you can sound like you're trying way too hard to do it, and then yeah, that it can be can become off-putting as well. Yeah, then you then you sound like uh, a student writer, you know, working. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like creative I'm sure if class. I went, I'm sure if I went back and looked at some of my creative writing assignments from my uni days, I would be appalled at some of the things I, I wrote in there. That's why I'm That's, always like, because I kind of have mean, several chapters of a book I wrote for like a uni assignment, and I kind of liked doing it at the time, but I feel like if I went back and reread over it now, I'd kind of want to rewrite the entire thing. Um. Let me clarify that for you. You definitely will because like if you ever did, like you definitely would want to because it's, I think that's just part of the process. And um, I mean, I, so I have a first draft of one of my projects um, and it's done, it's completed and I have shelved it. I have put it away and I'm not looking at it for like a few weeks at least, hopefully like a month and a half or something just to like give myself some time so I can, look back at it and be horrified by what I have written. That's yeah. the main goal. Um, <laughs> you know, but then it's like you have fresh eyes, which is like, it's it's like you get another chance to be creative, like on top of what you've already done. So like, it's definitely going to be better the second time around, which is cool to me. Yeah. yeah. So what was the first, like obviously like that's earlier when you first like did anything, but what was the first time you really wanted to, de- like you came, came up with like a good idea for a project that you really wanted to knuckle down and kind of try flesh out a lot? Yeah. A uh, yeah. So my senior project um, for uh, my animation degree was kind of a big project. It was relatively ambitious, um, much more so than the scope of the actual uh, like my resources w- would allow for. Um, I ended up um, not hiring. Well, we hired a few people, but we, we ended up sort of enlisting. I think it was like, it ended up being like nine other people, like nine other students. Um, so I had a co-writer and, and director and um, like, that was a really cool part of the process because we took, like I remember him and I um, going through and like fleshing these ideas out and just going back and forth and like coming up with world building things. Um, it was just a really cool process. And um, I would love to revisit that story someday, but it's it's one of those things where like you build it out and then you sort of don't have the ability to reach that goal. And so now it mm. feels a little bit like a little bit sort of, 
I don't know, like tainted because you like you weren't able to reach what you wanted. Yeah, so it's yeah, like, and you I guess you feel like going back to it. You I guess you don't want to do that a second time. You don't want to not reach what you did a second time. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like if I'm gonna go back to that, I need to do it right. Yeah, but then like. What does that even mean? <laughs> yeah, like you may, yeah, doing it right may involve throwing out like a significant portion of the idea even. It's hard uh, yeah. to say. Yeah, exactly. And do you have any, do you have any things that you, you sat down, you're like, I'm going to do this. And then when you finished it, you're like, holy shit, that was, I just put down a bunch of hot garbage. Um, um, oh yeah. I mean, that's what happened with that novel. So I was, I was writing it and so here's the other thing. I, I think I grew up um, with a very, like, particular taste in things. So I, I grew up, like, um, you know, loving, let's see, Blade Runner, The Matrix, uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Like, a lot of these stories where if you look back at it, you know, you have a lot of, I mean, I guess not Keanu Reeves, but, like, a lot of these gruff, like, gruff, grizzly white guys who you know, don't really have any emotion other than sort of disgruntled all the time. And I, yeah. I guess what I'm saying is that like a lot of the stories were just so similar. Um, yeah. and so I think I kind of, uh, began to write in, not an imitation, but in that same kind of vein where I had, yeah. you know, I had a, um, you know, a white, like straight, sort of grizzly uh protagonist and he met this girl and like in in the original script she was like paper thin as a character so like i did some fleshing out and stuff to try and make it feel more real but i think part of it is that i've realized now um you know in the science fiction community i think it's become much more common for there to be a lot more diversity in the characters and a lot more representation and that can feel kind of like uh, kind of like lip service, right? Like you're just adding these yeah. things because that's kind of of the moment. But I think it's actually yeah. super important because you're adding new kinds of stories that allow for like different interaction between characters and and really just like an end result that is that is unique. And I think that's what I'm kind of trying to do now. Yeah, because it's the kind of thing where. It's I guess it's better to at least try do that, like incorporate more of that and fail at it than to not try at all. Yeah, it, I mean it's tricky, right? Like there's a lot, um, especially speaking as a like a straight white guy. Um, yeah, you know I'm very aware of you know the my biases. You know I, I I'm ashamed to admit that like the first time I imagine a lot of characters they're you know, they look a lot like me. And I think that it's as somebody who is, you know, has that kind of privilege um, to be represented in, you know, in every medium, like all of the time, I think it's sort of our responsibility to learn about other perspectives um, and then, you know, include them in our stories as best as possible. Um, You know, you can't just, I, I would say, the the way that you can do representation wrong as far as i understand is to just do it um because you like do it without actually any effort <laughs> yeah cuz then you get it's just like, that's 
that's why you get these characters that like you know the um the you know the stereotype of like killing one of the lesbian characters in a sci-fi movie mm. right like that happens yeah. all the time or, or like you kind of go oh like here's this character who's a black woman who either ends up being like um like you end up if you don't do any research it ends up sounding either like a stereotype because you're basing it on you know the whatever kind of media intake you've had which is there's a lot of stereotyping that's happened or you just write it sounding exactly like your white male perspective which is also not great yeah so yeah it's a weird balance because obviously a lot of the time it's like a lot of the things like write what you know but when you are when you are a you know a straight white nerdy dude what you know (laughs) ends up just being the same thing over and over again and that's very well-worn territory so you can't really write what you know all the time because that's been done exactly and it's also like i think a lot of times creators want i think there's that initial like an inherent desire in a lot of creative people to want to be subversive and Mm. i think it's interesting because there's this desire I see from a lot of people who want to subvert expectations. And I think that that leads to a lot of interesting things where, you know, you're, you're using um, characters that are normally used in a certain way, um, you know, and types of people that are used in a certain way. And you're sort of turning that on its head. Um, But I think it's also very important to just tell real stories like, you yeah. know, to not to not use their um, identity as like a plot structure, you know, and yeah. I want to give a sort of enormous disclaimer here. I'm like, by no means at all. I have no I've not figured this out. Right. But I'm just like, yeah, I know that that's something I want to strive towards in in yeah. my writing process. Other thing, even if even if you, you kind of never really figure it out, it's good to at least try and be cognizant of these issues and you know at least work in your in your writing in your own way of trying to figure out ways around this or figure out ways you can do it better because there's definitely plenty of people out there who probably don't Mm. yeah yeah and i think it's also important to learn it from sort of a academic standpoint but also just like reach out to people who are who live that right like yeah um one of the best things I did was I'm, I'm, I've constantly got different ideas going around in my head. So I did some research for a young adult novel um, I'm starting to write, and uh, one of the original ideas I had was to make all of the characters in this like incredibly distant uh, future, like science fiction colony, um, like a the whole colony would be. Uh, populated with non-binary characters Hmm. and i reached out to um, a community like an online community based on uh, like a facebook group right Uh, based on collaboration and um, what i found from like real people who actually lived through that kind of experience is that you know casting an entire sort of culture as as this one identity would probably lead that would be very tricky and it would probably lead to like a a dumbing down of the individuals that you're like really trying to tell stories about 
you know, so yeah. that shaped the way that I'm moving forward with that story. And I, I yeah. just talked to people. So, you know, exactly. Which, which is kind of what you need to do. Cause yeah, like it, it, you can't really go, obviously, you know, people who live that experience are probably going to be better suited to like telling that, selling a lot of those characters from a perspective that they can relate to well, but that doesn't mean other people shouldn't try and do that. Like all it means is if you want to try that, you actually have to put in the legwork to make sure you are treating that representation fairly and not just guessing what you think it might be like. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And I I think it's also, um, I kind of wrestled with that at the beginning too, because I'm part of me is like, you know, who am I to write these kinds of stories or not even not, it's, you know, it's not like they're revolutionary or anything, but like, you know, I don't want to stick to just telling stories that are about people like me because how yeah. boring would that be? <laughs> yeah, you, you'll get tired of that very quickly. And also, if you want to actually flex your writing ability, you kind of need to challenge yourself in those ways. Yeah, exactly. And then, like, maybe, yeah, maybe it will flame out spectacularly, but even if it does, that in itself is a decent lesson of where you maybe went wrong and what to do different if you try something like that again. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, like especially yeah, like the further you get away from your own perspective, it just seems to be like the best idea is as you as you did, like go find communities of those people to talk to about it. Like I'm thinking this, you know more about this than me. What are your thoughts? Tell me if I'm on the right track or if I'm somehow being offensive. Yeah, and I think it's cool because a lot of people are. I would say that my initial sort of tendency was to be real wary of approaching people to you know it seems kind of weird like tell me about your your like intimate details about yourself but i think you know for one it's like a it's a real open community so they're you know a lot of people are they're willing to to help and like to collaborate on things and share their own experiences but also like i think a lot of people genuinely do want um you know stories that are that that tell other people's perspectives well and you know i think a lot of people are willing to help you achieve that goal you know if especially if you yeah. if you approach it from a real open perspective that's been my experience yeah. at least yeah i think i mean yeah again i i i am much like you a straight white man so i cannot speak for any other but yeah obviously the queer community in general and like binary communities are very unrepresented still in all kinds of modern fiction so i i could only guess that at the very least if you approach them from a fairly open like i actually want to do this right perspective they're not going to be dismissive of you even if some people don't necessarily want to open up everything you would think they would at least have some of like okay at least you're you know coming to us and trying to do this right and will yeah, make people much, sure. much more willing to share their stories yeah, that's been my experience. Yeah, because yeah, that's that's all you can do. Like, and people are a lot of time fairly like, as long as you're coming at them from just a position of curiosity and stuff like that, people are willing to be fairly open, a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I I, I kind of bank on that fact in the fact that I am doing this where I'm just talking to a lot of people about different things. Yeah, yeah, you're the uh, I, like poster child for that. 
yeah, like every, I know people like talk, people actually like talking about themselves quite a lot, really. <laughs> Cause no one ever gets the chance to. Yeah. And I mean, it's cool Without, being able to talk about like a specific facet of, you know, something that you're passionate about, right? Like uh, not a lot of yeah. people get to do that in their daily lives, I think. Hmm. So, so in what ways do you find the kind of writing that you do? What ways do you find it like rewarding or beneficial? What do you, what do you get out of it? Yeah, I actually, <laughs> this is going to sound a little selfish. I get a lot out of writing. Um, so I, I deal with, uh, anxiety and depression on like a, a like a daily basis. Um, mm. and so that has really kind of popped up in the last year or so. Um, and that's when I've really like drilled down on writing. And for me, when I write, I do not feel the way I normally feel. Um, you know, it's mm. giving me something constructive to do. And I also like a lot of times my mind is going like a million miles a minute and to be able to sort of focus it on a singular task, um, is really helps a lot <laughs> and yeah. is it's also very like it's it's affirming because you know if you can put something together even like a poem or something like that and mm. you know put it out there and receive a positive response like a lot of the poems that I I write actually deal with you know uh dreams or like feelings of anxiety and and depression and kind of these these thoughts that I have and it's kind of a venting process for me mm. and yeah. you know to have to have something that I'm sort of just like word vomiting out there and and uh, have somebody else identify with it is um, you know it, it really makes it I think writing can be very isolating and yeah. I think this really, uh, you know, brings sort of the human side to, to writing, uh, like to the forefront. Yeah. Cause I mean, I think a lot of writers it's, you can find a lot of writers with similar histories with anxiety and depression and that sort of thing. I, yeah. I would venture a guess that that's where a lot of writing is born out of even people who just do it on a hobby kind of situation. Yep. <laughs> I think that's fair to I'm, say. Like I know, a lot of therapists, I know my therapist when I was going to therapy for, yeah, some depression stuff that like they encouraged like you should write stuff down because yeah, they, they kind of encourage you to just get it out. Yeah. And I think it's a different kind of expression than we're, we're used to. I think that, um, at least for me, you know, it, it takes me sort of to a different space in my mind than I'm used mm. to. I think I, I think I tend to sort of just like go through the days very, you know, sort of quickly and, and sort of, um, I tend to busy myself, um, and, you know, to, to take time to, you know, close the door and, you know, be quiet or listen to, you know, music or whatever, and just kind of put yourself either in somebody else's shoes or, you know, in your narrator's shoes and just kind of like inhabit a different space. Um, I think it's a, it's a, it's a nice break, and I, I think it also mm. can sometimes give you better uh, ways to express what you're feeling, what you're going through. Yeah, like, yeah, 
and do you do you feel like you use it as that kind of tool a lot like you sort of whatever is going on in your head where it might be where it's like anxiety depression stuff you sort of pour that into a character or something on the page for sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> i i think that um so i write a few different types of things i write um I said I'm working on a novel, so I'm, I am, I'm working on a novel that's like in the very early stages, um, and then I also wrote a collection of uh, short science fiction stories, um, and then I also write like these poems and like flash fiction, so for each of those they have sort of, uh, I interact with those kinds of stories like in a little bit of a different way, but for me the most therapeutic kind of writing is is stuff like the the flash fiction and the and the poems where they're they're distilled from an image or you know a a sort of situation or something like that that I have like sort of stuck in my head and and um you know and then it's sort of just like I'll sit down and 5 minutes later or 10 minutes later like I have I have a finished piece you know, sometimes yeah. I can barely even like remember putting it down there, which sounds a little <laughs> psychotic, but you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> you just black out and you come to it, <laughs> poems written all over the walls of your house. Yeah. What have I done? <laughs> wow. This is actually some fantastic work. Yeah. This my is wife great. Is also gonna be really, my wife's going to be pissed. <laughs> so yeah. Do, do, do you sometimes feel like, yeah, you've... Because I guess the 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 shortness of a poem or like a flash fiction thing, do you find sometimes that's just more immediately rewarding because you can do it and be like, look, I have this thing that I have finished. It's a piece of work and it's done, as opposed to, you know, a novel which is a very lengthy process that sometimes may never end up being done because you may suddenly realize thirty thousand words in that you don't like it at all. So do you find like the the, the short thing a bit more? immediately satisfying sometimes yeah for sure and i think it's also i think it's also kind of condensed as well because each when you when you have 150 words or whatever each word is so important and the placement of that word is so important uh important that like it's got a whole different rhythm of of writing like the process is is different and i think Hmm. that they're I think that there's sort of a time and a place for both. I, I really enjoy actually why, why I started writing poems is because it was, it was a way to still write something when I hit writer's block on one of my larger projects. Yeah. So I use it as kind of like a, a relief, like, you know, if I can't write a thousand words today, like at least I can put a poem down and that way, like, you know, I'm being productive, but it's also like, I think I find it easier to be evocative, um, you know, with, with yeah. sort of a, a shorter format. So do you, like when you're writing that kind of stuff, do you give yourself like a strict thing? Are you, are you like, okay, this has to be like 150 words or this has to be like this exact amount to give yourself those parameters to work within? No, not at all. <laughs> 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 you do it till I, it's done yeah exactly um yeah honestly i <laughs> i pretty much started um i started writing like really short stories like flat flash fiction and then they sort of started getting shorter and shorter and then um 
they the lines stored, started to separate. I I feel like it was a, almost like an organic process. Um, mm. I I didn't ever intend to write poems, and most of the time I don't have any rhyme structure or anything like that. Um, mm. I just sort of break them, you know, break the lines by um, tone or by by uh, you know important clauses or, or ideas. Um, so they're sort of loosely organized poems, I would say. Yeah. Um, I think the, the closest I ever get to putting parameters on it is after the fact. Um, I, I do enjoy um, sort of breaking the poems down into some sort of pattern, uh, especially with the number of lines. So a lot of times mm. I'll do alternating stanzas of like, you know, 575 or uh, 353, or I think a couple of times I'll do like, um, I'll do like six, seven, eight lines or something like that. Um, just something to like give it some structure. Um, but yeah. normally that happens after the fact. Right, right. And then is it sort of even that in that instinct, you just kind of look at it and you get like almost a feeling for where like the right places are to separate it or how it should be? Like, yeah, a lot of times that happens when I read it. Um, I try to read these out loud. Um, so I, I've been in the deep in the editing weeds uh, with a with this poetry chapbook that I just finished, um, and so I've I've been like rereading them like over and over again. And I think reading them out loud, you get an idea for what the natural sort of cadence and um, you know, natural breaks of the, the poem are. And I think that helps a lot in the editing process. Yeah. Yeah. Is it kind of the way that if you, after you do it for a bit, you kind of, without even realizing it, you feel like your brain just starts automatically making those distinctions of where stuff should happen. Yep. For sure. Yeah. And, um, and you said before, like the good, good part about it is like putting something down especially in regards to like the anxiety depression side of things and then like getting positive feedback and that kind of thing so where so how, how do you get the feedback do you like is it friends and family that read it are you part of like online communities where you sign of like people share their work what do you do on that yeah. side of things yeah so I started um, I started really early on like uh sort of teaming up with a friend of mine um, and actually sort of reconnecting with him. And, you know, we sort of shared each other's works and that kind of gave me the little bit of confidence that I needed to um, sort of put my work out there. And then I started posting on on medium.com, um, right. which I have found to be a great source of um, like validation, if that makes any sense. Hmm. Uh, cause I think like, again, like going back to the isolation thing, like I think as a writer, like you tend to sort of only see how a certain piece could apply to yourself, if that makes any sense. And so like when you see other people just like, you know, uh, posit like liking your work or, um, like I've been accepted to a few different, um, publications on medium that re mm. regularly publish my work um you know to me that's very validating and yeah. it's cool to have some place in like that internet community regardless of like 
you know, I don't get none of my stuff is blown up or whatever, but it's, yeah. it's, it's nice to see that, um, you know, the things that I put out quickly, people do enjoy. And it's also cool that I can sort of then go to the editing process and say, Hey, let's, let's make this better. Yeah. Cause I guess like, even if, even if the primary drive of you doing it is for your own benefit just cause you want to do it, it's, it definitely never hurts to have someone being like, hello, I liked that. That was good. Yeah. And actually I had sort of a, <laughs> I had sort of an epiphany. Um, I, I'm probably going to self publish most of my work. Um, mm. just, I, you know, I want to keep the bar sort of low, um, as far as yeah. the, the effort that's required to, um, you know, sort of put it out there. Um, because yeah. I don't want the publishing process to get in the way of the creative process. Mm. And, like, oh, sorry. The internet ahead. allows, the internet allows for a lot of like, it just makes it easier to do that kind of stuff these days to put your own input out there in, in ways that just simplifies the process. Exactly. Yeah. And, and with Amazon and Kindle, um, you know, they make the self publishing process pretty easy. And so I was just going to, you know, take the first draft of my collected, uh, short stories and, you know, kind of just kind of crap it out there, like just put it out there to be, to be done and like to have a completed project, which I think is valuable. But, um, I also, to give myself a deadline, I hired an artist to do title pages and a cover for that book. Right. And then, um, I was like, okay, I'll just get these pieces, I'll put it all together, and then I'll just put it out there. I don't really need to worry about editing or making it as good as possible. <laughs> and then my wife was like, well, why are you hiring an editor then? Like, what what's the thought process behind that? And I was like, oh, damn it. I need to make it good, don't I? <laughs> Got me. <laughs> uh, disappointing. How dare you? How dare you come into this situation with logic, wife? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And I guess, so, I guess yeah. but I guess you know that kind of input is good because even if you do, even if part of you wants to put something out there to put something out there, you also if it's the first time you do it, you only get to do it for the first time once. So I guess you want to try do it right. Yeah, and I I think there is something to be said for just making things, but I I think there is uh, you know another side of it where you know you only get the chance to sort of tell these stories once um, and. Yeah, I think in the end you're sort of doing a disservice to yourself if you don't like actually give it your all or at least give yeah. it a good shot, you know? Yeah, and even if, because I guess a lot of the time with creative stuff, you will never be entirely satisfied with it. You'll be able to go back to it like a little bit later and be like, oh, I should have done this, I should have done this. But I suppose in the moment where you do it, you at least want to try and make it the best version of that at the time. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you're hopefully you're always going to learn and you're always going to improve. So like ideally, you know, you would be able to look back on something and say, Hey, I could do that better now. Yeah. You definitely don't want to get to a point where you write something. You're like, I have definitely peaked and will never get better. <laughs> that's not, it's not the best yeah, attitude or, to take. Exactly. Especially you don't want to, you don't want to think that like <laughs> yeah. you don't want to be that self-aware, right? Yeah, exactly. Huh. So what are like 
do you have any other sort of goals of stuff, even even if it's just dreaming of what you'd like to do outside of self-publishing your stuff? Like what you would, where you would like this writing business to take you? I mean, I would love to be able to do this full time. You know, I think a lot of creative people, especially people that publish stuff on the internet are, mm. you know, doing a lot of other things. Um, yeah. And so that's sort of the dream. But the thing I'm focusing right now on is is just sort of being consistent and just like kind of getting in there and getting my hands dirty Uh, right now I'm in you know I I think with any creative process you go in spurts like so you have uh, sort of seasons where you know you're in a creative sort of you know creative process and then you're in the editing process and then you're in the marketing process like I think there's a lot of different things sort of going on at once Um, and then, you know, I, I'm just trying to sort of keep the creative side of me like alive, if that, that sounds a little dramatic, but, you know, <laughs> keep it flourishing, right? So, you know, I'm still trying to write poems relatively frequently and um, just trying to sort of keep an eye on, you know, other artists I would like to work with, like down the road, um, you know, I, I still... I'm not an animator, but I still love visual art and how that can um, enhance the written word. And so I would love to work with other artists, whether it's like for a graphic novel or for, um, you know, illustrated book or, you know, children's book or something like that. I think I just want to tell a lot of different stories and a lot of different kinds of stories. I don't think I necessarily want to be somebody who's, um, you know, kind of targeting the same audience over and over again. Well, that seems pretty fair. And um, do you ever th- feel like, do you ever, some, as you said, like you always want to keep the creative side, of al- side alive. Do you ever feel like sometimes you just need to take a rest from it just to make sure you don't burn it out? Like you just don't burn out on like the creative side of things. Do you ever take a break? Hmm. Um, yes. Yes and no. Because I think um, for me, because it is sort of so directly tied to like, you know, some people meditate, um, you know, I think there's a lot of different ways that you can handle like mental illnesses and, you know, just like your mental health. Um, and for me, writing is like one part of that sort of coping strategy for me. So there is a part of it that is, uh, draining, but it's also something that I feel like I can work, you know, an, <laughs> an eight hour day with a, you know, hour commute on either side. So like, you know, by the time I get home, you know, I'm, I'm dead tired and then I can hmm. write for another hour and a half right. or whatever, so- you know, like, I think that there's, um, I think it's important for people to find like what really, drives them in a sense where like Mm. you could just work on it until like you just straight up fall asleep and so you know like i think that there's certain things that that you know sort of break the rules for certain people and and for me that's writing and um you know i do get burnt out on certain ideas but what i've tried to learn is to try and pivot to other ideas where i can sort of like a different type of work. There's so many different yeah. like parts to the writing process, whether it's like 
brainstorming or um, like planning out or world building or whatever it is. Like there's so many other parts that normally there's one that I can kind of find when I get into a rut. Right. So it's more rather you don't, you don't know, you don't really get burnt out on the whole thing, but sometimes you're like, okay, I just need to take a break from trying to write this novel for a bit. And I'm going to focus on this other aspect of it again, because exactly. so you you start, so you don't get burnt out on a particular part of it rather than, yeah. And the creative juices keep flowing in general. Exactly. Yeah. And I, and also like, um, you know, I, I sort of worked my way down to, you know, very short fiction. And I think that that's given me a, a better understanding of, or, or perhaps a better awareness of my word usage. So, I, you know, I think mm. I'm like, if I were to go back and write that novel, I, you know, I think I would probably pay attention to the way that I'm writing more than I, I would otherwise. Yeah. And, and if you do think if for whatever reason you didn't get to write for like an extended period of time, you would start like really feeling that. Hmm. Yeah, I think I would. Um, I actually, once I stopped writing that novel, I, I, I think I took like a two or three month break. I was, you know, sort of transitioning to a new job and stuff. And it was just real hectic. We were moving and all that stuff. Um, and I think, yeah, it just, it, you know, it, it's a different kind of outlet. Like your brain thinks differently when you're doing something creative. And I, so I think to, to not have that really is a big shift if that's what you're used to. Yeah. 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 I guess. Do you feel like you kind of don't know what to do with yourself sometimes? Yeah, man. Like if you have these ideas and you're writing them down, like for me, I used to think that coming up with ideas was going to be the hard part. I was, I was wrong. Yeah, no. <laughs> At I least do, for ideas me, ideas tend to be the yeah, ideas. A lot of the time are the easy part. It's actually turning those ideas into a thing that is much more difficult. Yeah, exactly. Like I, you know, I can. God, my phone is such like a such a mess of different <laughs> concepts and stuff. And you know, to the the hard part is like actually putting the work into it. Mm, yeah. Everyone has ideas. Like there's, you know, if everyone had $10 for every idea they'd ever had, we'd all be rich. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, okay. So basically if you had to kind of sum up like what this whole, like the whole reading and the writing, what, what is that kind of meets you and what like the value in is it is, is in it and kind of why maybe if someone out there who hadn't really thought about it themselves or like why, how would you sum up why, what's good about it and why someone should maybe give more of a chance than they have? Yeah. Um, so I think it's, I think there's a few points I, I want to touch on briefly is I, reading in of itself is, mm. I think, like a really beautiful thing and probably like a completely unique thing. You know, I think mm. that I love movies. I love TV. Um there's a lot of ways that we interact with art, but I think reading for me, I think that's a lot of reason, a lot of the reason that I got into like animation, like a creative field is because, you know, when I'm reading something, I'm imagining it, um, like whole cloth. And I think that's kind of a unique experience, right? Like you're, you're in this sort of mutual, like, uh, creative endeavor with the author. Like, 
you know, obviously not at the same time, but like this, this other person from the, like this complete stranger has put something down from their brain and then you're like digesting it and imagining it. And it's like becoming a part of who you are. Um, mm. I mean, I know that sounds really cheesy, but like stories, I think mean a lot. Like they can, they can change how you look at the world. They can change how you look at people or look at yourself. And, you know, I think that's a really important, um, sort of aspect of, of reading and interacting with those stories. Yeah. Cause I would say basically like things like something like TV and movies is kind of like a passive way of engaging Mm -hmm. with a story because it's all just put foist upon you. Whereas, um, uh, like reading a book is more of an active way of engaging with it because you know you have to go the effort of read it and then as you said you are the one conjuring the pictures in your mind not having them provided for you right and in that way it's it's completely unique i mean it's yeah you know i i might describe a story like if i'm reading lord of the rings or you know any any type of fiction i i might describe it in a relatively similar way to what you're describing Um, you know, the way that these images come across, but at the same time, like our, you know, after a while, like your interaction with these stories is completely tailored to like who you are. And I I don't know that there's something that can, um, provide that type of like incredibly personal, incredibly specific type of, um, you know, type of art. Yeah. Because like all of us, a whole bunch of people could read the exact same book and we've all sort of, everyone will have experienced the same story just in like these slightly different ways that are personal to them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like if, 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 like if we lived in a world where somehow everyone was capable enough to go, okay, read a book and, you know, draw their, how they saw the characters and stuff like that, like the differences that you would see between like all these different people giving their visual interpretation of the same character would probably be incredibly interesting to see the variations. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's like fingerprints or something. Um, You know, it's, it's Mm. unique to who you are. And I think also like reading to me, I think is a really good way to, um, you know, I hear a lot of, uh, from people who, uh, want to be creative like uh, i i think a lot of people have um the desire to tell stories or to make things you know it doesn't have to be like something that's uh you know quote unquote art right like you Mm. know whether you're a craftsman or you um you know you build things or you're construction worker or you know even like an office worker like there's so many different ways in which the human mind can be creative and And I think that reading for me uh, sort of flexes that muscle of thinking outside of yourself and thinking outside of your own situations, um, you know, and that I think lends itself well to being creative. I mean, I get really inspired when I read books. I think that's what, what gets me, I think that's one of the reasons that I got into writing is because I saw these you know, these stories and I wanted to be a part of that. Mm, yeah. Cause I think there's nothing more as someone who I've said, I, I'm pretty slack with my writing these days, but 
if you read a couple of books, is yeah, no, there's nothing more motivating than like if you read a few books and you really enjoy them. You're like, man, I I gotta do that again. I gotta start doing stuff again because yeah, it just it's very inspiring when you read other people's good work. Yeah, and actually, I think there's like two sides to that because uh, for me, and okay, I, I, another disclaimer here. This is gonna sound so douchey um but like a lot of times like some reading or excuse me some some books can be like you read them and you think hey that's achievable um like sometimes you read books and they're just like be like the wordplay and the character development all that stuff is like just obviously they're working on a different level but you know i think there's a lot of like popular fiction and i'm not at all dunking on popular fiction or, you know, like middle grade stuff or anything like that. But I think that there is a space for just people who are willing to tell stories. And, you know, I I think that the, I think that people connect with characters and stories more than they do like the technical pieces of writing. So I think, I think people can get really scared, uh, scared off by, you know, by thinking that writing is more difficult than it is, and it is very difficult, don't get me wrong, but, yeah. like, I didn't go to school for writing. Um, yeah. You know, I just sort of started one day, and I'm not, like, I don't know that I'm amazing or anything, but, I, you know, it's, it's more that I'm completing things, and to me, that's yeah. important in of itself. That is, I mean, half the battle is just completing it, really. Yeah, exactly. There's there's pro- there's probably many many like fantastic writers out there who never went anywhere because they sim- just simply didn't have the motivation to complete something. Yeah, and and I think like if you read stuff, sometimes you can, you know, especially if like you want to and and you feel like it's like right there, it's like so close. You know, sometimes mm. you can sort of see other people who have told, uh, you know, similar kinds of stories or stories like told in a similar fashion and you're like hey i can do this yeah exactly you can see a lot of examples of hey i can do that because you know like there are many like not necessarily well-written books out there that have gotten extremely popular yeah which you know that's not really like the the reason you should do this but i think it is no it's encouraging that there's like a wide variety of of ways to tell a story you know sort of yeah. Ignoring the quality side of things, there's a lot of different types of writing out there and I, you know, that's encouraging yeah, like, to somebody who's trying to create. Yeah, there, there's a lot of examples of like some people, you know, the, the actual prose is what makes their writing and a lot of people is like the words, like the actual words and stuff is, you know, not nothing too adventurous, but the way they tell the story is the big thing. I think JK Rowling is like on a technical level like an okay writer. But in the sense of the world building side of things, that she was spectacular about it, and that's why Harry Potter took off. Yeah, for sure. I think that's I think that's fair. So yeah, so like different people excel at different parts. So you know, you don't need to think you are the best writer in the world. You, as long as you think you are capable of putting words down on a page, that's enough reason to give it a shot, even if you know. Ex- Exactly. You may may not yeah, you may not be the biggest success in the world, but you shouldn't let your your fear of like your ability hold you back from just trying. 
Yeah, and I mean, I think I think that if if success is the focus, then I think you're you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Failure, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You should always, yeah, pretty much with any creative endeavor, you should be doing it for yourself before you do it for anybody else. Yes, exactly. I'm doing this for me, and if someone else likes it, well, that's a nice bonus. Yeah, like if one other person enjoys this, then like I yeah. I I consider that a success. <laughs> exactly. You know. Exactly. Well, I think that seems like a very good note to end it on. Yeah, I think we went full circle to your like whole mission statement of the show. So, pretty much, yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> like it's like so symbolic, so seamless. I love it. Yeah, there you it's go. Like we planned it. <laughs> well, excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining me. It's been awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Anytime, I was happy to. Yeah, I'm always happy to have anyone. So, if you have friends who want to talk as well, send them my way. All right. Yeah, that will goes, do. That that goes for anyone out there listening as well. If you or anyone else want to talk to me, feel free. Just hit me up. Okay, well, thanks, man. Thanks again. And we'll catch you, catch you next time. We'll catch everybody out there next time. And until then, please keep on caring, reading, and writing. Bye.